Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast where we discuss the poetry of Elizabeth Barrett Browning and Robert Browning. No, seriously. Book number 17, Love Letters. Is Caroline's romance for real? It's very sexy. Hi, I am your host, Marissa Flaxbart, and welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries. Welcome to my guest as well, Jeremy Shaddock. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, hello. Um, Jeremy and I are here in a very echoey room in a beautiful uh, Venice manse in Venice, California, uh, where Jeremy is staying for a while. Thanks for having me over, Jeremy. You're welcome. Welcome. And we are here today to discuss a really, really special, magnificent book called Love Letters. An important um, piece of literature. Yes. Uh, so, Jeremy, now that you've read book number 17, you're going to keep up and uh, read all the way through till the end, right? Yeah, I'm addicted now. I, n- I need to know what happens to some of these characters. <laughs> I realized it was a serial, so I'm, I'm well, sucked in. <laughs> so my first question that I ask uh, every guest is mm. whether or not you'd ever read a Sweet Valley High novel or heard of Sweet Valley High before you read this book. Uh, no, I definitely have never read, and I don't think I've ever heard of it. Sides, of course. From your podcast. (laughs) Right, right. Let's start by talking about the cover of the book. Uh, Can you describe it? I'm assuming what is um, Caroline reading the, what'll be the inciting incident here, or the thing that starts her journey in this book. Yeah, so we've got Caroline Um, Pierce, famous, uh, famous gossip queen of Sweet Valley High, to those people that have been listening along or reading along or remember reading these books. Caroline Pierce is famously like a huge gossip. She has this like, you know, shoulder length red hair and she's eagerly looking at a piece of paper, like really excited. And behind her, looking over her shoulder. I believe is Elizabeth who is looking very questioningly at this piece of paper she has. That is a good call. I didn't know. I also think it's Elizabeth. Um, because Jessica dresses in a much uh, more fashionable way than Elizabeth. And this girl has the sort of like long sleeves. They're both wearing pale yellow, the same color as the cover of the book, which is an interesting choice. But I love... It's flesh tone. <laughs> <laughs> I love the look on Elizabeth's face in this cover. Like, I just want to zoom in on it. And it's like, she is highly suspicious. Um, what do you think? Yeah, and I, but I guess in that same... In the same way, it could be um, Jessica because she's the one, of course, who is, you know, pondering whether Caroline is for real. Yeah, that's the interesting thing and why I was like, oh, I'm glad that you can tell that it's Elizabeth. Jessica is is highly suspicious of Caroline in this book. And Elizabeth is just kind of like also maybe a little bit, but not really. Mm -hmm. She's like not really involved in that story until the end. But yeah, and I could see as more of a quietly judging uh, Caroline from behind her, perhaps. <laughs> so Caroline Pierce is the star of this book, like the A story. Uh, do you have first impressions of Caroline as a character? Um, I would say she she doesn't really seem to um, have any personal hobbies. Or <laughs> <laughs> Or, like, um, as she's far like as what she's writing. into. Yeah, she she's likes, really into typewriting. Yeah, you know, and I guess this was written in the 80s, so 
you know, as before computers, it's a little less, you know. There have been That would some... be more a little hipster if she was in a room with her typewriter. Yeah, there have been a few uh, appearances of computers in this series, but they're um, always a little bit comical, kind of newfangled, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so she is also obsessed with um, trying to impress her older sister. That could be a hobby for Caroline. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> she's got an older sister Pressing named older sister. Yes, she's got an older sister named Anita, hmm. and Anita has never appeared in the series before this book. So you know as much about Anita as anybody knows from having read oh, this okay. book. She's hmm. like a cool, kind of cool older girl, but not in the sort of stereotypical popular way. She seems like sort of well rounded, and it's almost as if she looks down on Caroline because. She knows that Caroline's awful or something. Yeah, like she has some sort yeah. of secret insight. To- I think, yeah, I think she's waiting for a sister to develop a personality or something. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, interests besides, uh, you know, being a gossip and liking boys from afar. Right. <laughs> well, in the last book, we heard a little bit about Caroline and her boyfriend, Adam, and these love letters that she was getting from Adam. And so that is the subject of this book. And mm. this book does not keep us in suspense. No, not at all. We find out on the first or second page of the book that Adam is not real. And what's so interesting to me about this book, having read about Caroline for, for, you know, many books now, is that we start this book suddenly from her perspective and we're granted all of this understanding about where she's coming from. Why is she such a gossip? And what we learn about Caroline is that she is super socially awkward and she is only a gossip because it's her only way that she can think of to have anything to contribute to any conversation. Mm -hmm. And over and over again in this book, she like, you know, muscles her way into a conversation by saying like, oh, did you hear what so-and-so said about so-and-so? But everybody else in Sweet Valley is so over Caroline that as soon as she starts saying shit like that, they just like roll their eyes. They're like, oh, this is Caroline being Caroline. Like, go away. Well, I think everyone, uh, you know, I think at the beginning of the book, everyone avoids her. I don't think there's a single character who likes Caroline. Not even Elizabeth. Yeah. So let's get there real quick. Mm. I, I also, I highlighted some quotes to kind of set things up mm-hmm. from the first, very first chapter, like very, very beginning of the book. Uh, we have Caroline thinking to herself, maybe I'll never be as popular as the Wakefield twins or Lila Fowler, but I'm not going to be an outcast anymore. All that has changed now with Adam. Thanks to Adam, people are actually starting to pay some attention to me. It was funny, Caroline thought as she jumped out of bed and hurried over to her dresser. All it seemed to take to get in with the right people was a boyfriend. And an invented boyfriend seemed to work as well as the real thing. Right. And that, I think, is when we find out that Adam is invented. So she's been typewriting these very poetic, beautiful love letters. Listeners, if you haven't listened to episode 16, we read at toward the end of that episode uh, a, a beautiful selection from one of these letters. Very oh, nice. poetic. <clears throat> and... Um, yeah, so she starts out, and we learn right away, though, that she has this other motivation, which is that her sister also doesn't pay attention to her. And she has this thought, like, I can't wait to really get Anita's attention for real. Um, and then she has this weird thought, like, I wish Anita, who goes to college nearby, like, I wish she didn't live at home anymore. Like, it was just too, the pressure of trying to, like, live up to her sister, who is a much more right. functional human being, is just too much. <clears throat> but better to not be in high school with her sister, as she mentions. Yeah, she does say that. Like, at least now they're not in school together, so she's not constantly trying to live up to, to her sister's level of, like, just kind of natural popularity or just like just not having to struggle so that's very relatable 
in a weird way. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, of course, I think she sees Anita as actually a person, as we were discussing, <laughs> yeah. maybe. Versus, when I, when I grow up, I want to have a personality and interests and... Just like my sister. Just like my sister, yeah. So, uh, right away at the beginning of this book, we get to see Elizabeth also not like Caroline, just like everybody else doesn't. Because, uh, so we start with Caroline, like, thinking about how much better life is going, really, like, the day after the last book ends. There's a big party for Roger Patman at a country club, and uh, Caroline comes home still just, like, electric from, like, all the attention that she got at the party. And, uh, listeners, the scene that we read in the last episode was the scene I'm talking about to kind of set up this book. So you got to see kind of the aftermath of that, Jeremy, that she's really excited about telling everybody about Adam. So she's going to go get a ride with the Wakefields to the beach, she says. And it gets really sad really quick after this. Yeah, I believe that uh, she tells, what is it? She's talking to her mom, right? Yeah. And she says that she's going with the Wakefields to the beach and going in their car, I believe, that they're picking her up. Yeah, and, and if, the mom is like, oh, wow. Yeah, and even Anita, her sister, is like, oh, those those Wakefield twins, really. I forget what she says, like, really, you know, what, go-getters in some way, like, yeah. oh, what what great twins they are. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Caroline purposefully mentions that she's getting a ride with the Wakefield twins because she knows that Anita will be impressed mm-hmm. because Anita really thinks the Wakefield twins are neat girls. And she goes over to their house. They're like neighbors, by the way. The book doesn't make that clear. But the Wakefields and the Pierces are neighbors. And she knocks on the door and Jessica like sees her coming and hides and makes Elizabeth like lie to Caroline about the fact that she's still asleep. Um, And Elizabeth is not much nicer to Caroline. Caroline tries to convince her to come to the beach too by saying like, oh, your boyfriend Todd yeah. will be there. And Elizabeth is immediately just like thinking the worst of everything that comes out of Caroline's mouth. Like, like what's she trying yeah, to absolutely. insinuate that I yeah. can't have a life without Todd? Yeah, pretty much. And this is where we get the first plant for what I would call like the B or C story, mm. D story of this book, which is that Elizabeth is working on a play. Right. Yeah. Because isn't that what her uh, excuse is when she goes over? It's yeah. like, come to the beach with me, Elizabeth. And she's like, no, I have to uh, wash my cat. Or in this no, case, she I'm writing my play. She really means it, though. Like, she's scrambling to try to know. finish I, the I play. Didn't get that, like, I didn't get that from it. I think it was, you know... Yeah, she's definitely writing her play, but yeah. I think it was an excuse at that point. I kind of see, like, she's probably almost done at this point. I guess we do later find out that Elizabeth has left the house to go hang out with Todd. So clearly she wasn't that serious yeah, about she wasn't, the play you know, all day. She wasn't that busy. I think she said she's due. I have so much research to do or something yeah. like that. So poor Caroline takes the bus to the beach and like seeks out the like meanest girls in school, Jessica, Lila, and Kara, who are all there. And they're very mean to her. And, and Carol, like, Kara goes away to talk to some other girls on the beach. And Jessica immediately starts doing, like, a mean impression of Kara. Like, she's baited into right. it. It's like, the- Lila, do your, I'm sorry, I'm saying Kara. Caroline. Lila, cause there's also a character named Kara. So oh, okay. Kara, Lila, Jessica are together. They're like a trio. Caroline walks away and Lila's like, do to your, see, to Caroline see Maria, impression. I believe. Yeah, Maria yeah. Santelli. She's got to talk to Maria Santelli about Ricky Capaldo and Annie Whitman. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> got to do some gossip. I think, yeah. I think that's the first, um, the first time we hear gossiping in this book. Yeah, right? we hear, and she launches right into it. Again, she's trying to like have something to say in the conversation. Um, 
she finds that whenever she turns the conversation back to Adam, these popular girls are genuinely interested in her. So she's leaning on that. What she doesn't know is that the popular girls are highly suspicious. I don't know where she got that bathing suit. She's wearing like a tank suit. Oh, like, right, right. I don't know where she got that bathing suit, Kara giggled. It looks like something you'd wear for gym class. Lila nodded. She sure didn't meet this Adam guy at the beach, she agreed. Though where she did meet him is a good question. He must have a few screws loose if he's serious about Caroline. Maybe he's nearsighted, Kara said. He'd have to be nearsighted and hard of hearing to tolerate even five minutes with her, Jessica pointed out. It's her voice that drives me crazy. No wonder they have to depend on letters. It's so terrible. And then Jessica does this imitation of her. Yeah, I mean... The reason I'm bringing up Jessica is, like, doing this mean impression of Caroline. Because what she's saying is very innocuous, but she's basically just, like, repeating what Caroline just said. Is that Caroline, like, is behind Jessica. Lila's like, no, she's trying to signal to to Jessica. Right, right. Stop. Um, Which is only important because um, it inspires Caroline to retaliate. Like, she's mad. She knows that Jessica is making fun of her, and she feels powerless. So she throws the only piece of dirt that she has against Jessica in Jessica's face, Mm -hmm. which is this piece of paper that she's found outside Wakefield's house earlier. (laughs) Is it, like, a sketchy moment? Yes. And I... I suppose we maybe should have said on her way to the beach, right? Yeah, outside the Wakefield's house. I I believe it's a dog knocked over a A trash trash can. can. And there's a photocopy. And not only a photocopy, a dark photocopy. It's very mysterious. He does say that. A dark (laughs) photocopy of a letter from Mrs. Wakefield, Alice Wakefield, to a design firm in San Francisco saying... I've considered your offer. It will take me at least a month to get my family together to move to a new city. But making it sound like they're, the Wakefields are going to move to San Francisco. So Caroline says something to Jessica, very biting, like, I know it must be hard to keep your composure. What with the big move coming up? And Jessica's like, what are you what? talking about? And it's like, this is just another unsubstantiated rumor from you, Caroline. And Caroline is like, ha ha, evidence. Exactly. Here's the paper, and she shows it to Jessica. And Jessica immediately makes up an excuse to leave and go home to confront her parents. But nobody's home, because Elizabeth has gone out with Todd somewhere. Um, But eventually, the Wakefields come home. And this is like the big B story of the book, is that the Wakefields, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Wakefield, are considering moving away from Sweet Valley to San Francisco. Yeah, it sounds... Why would you ever want to move away from Sweet Valley? It sounds pretty... It sounds like the best place. Well, that's exactly what Elizabeth and Jessica think. Absolutely. Um, Most popular... Or some of the most popular girls in school. Yeah. So this general plot has nothing to do at all with the main plot. So we can pretty much sum it up by saying... The Wakefield twins hatch a big plan to keep their parents in town. The plan is multifaceted, but among other things, they go to the city hall and like sign their parents, this is like civic center and sign their yeah. parents up for every mailing list. So that all the tourism pamphlets the tourism they could possibly ever get, yeah. which I didn't realize, uh, Sweet Valley was uh, such a tourist destination. Apparently they've got a lot of pamphlets. <laughs> yeah. Apparently you can get a lot of stuff sent to you. So. And boy, was the lady at the tourism office excited to have somebody signed up on a list for every pamphlet. <laughs> so yeah. So maybe they're just a really overfunded. Another <laughs> tourism office, and then they. Oh offer- my god! Here, have my two thousand pamphlets. I will mail them to your parents. You're yeah. welcome. Like maybe they, do they want every copy? Because we really have a lot of extras. 
And then yeah. um, they try to take them to their parents to all the best restaurants in town. They where they got engaged. And, yeah. Uh, what it, the the Tiburinos. fat. I believe they refer to him as a fat jolly Italian man. Um, probably this book Tiburino. is Tiburinos. Yeah. <laughs> There's like vetoes. The twins prepared this like special dinner to apologize to their mom for Which, having lashed out. Which kind of as confusing as a scene. All right. So yes, they're, they're apologizing to their parents for lashing out about this possible move. Yeah. But it's like, oh yeah, we cooked you dinner. Here is takeaway we got from your favorite restaurant. Yeah. It, it, it was very confusing. Like, like what? The whole house smells like food, I think they say. Like, oh, what did you cook? And, and then it turns out they didn't cook at all. It's some takeout. They got, like, takeout veal from yeah, the which, Italian place. Uh, uh, takeout veal sounds a little sketchy. <laughs> it really it's like, does. It's, oh, it's been, and I believe he says it's been a long time since we've gotten takeout veal. <laughs> from this particular place. Which confuses me. I'm which like, is oh, called, right. like, Uncle Vito's or something. Yeah. And then there's, like, a flower arrangement. And Elizabeth's mm. like, oh, yes, I got it from the place is called Petal Pushers, which I yeah. remember because it was such a fabulous pun. <laughs> and we've never heard of it before. So, oh, I got them from Petal Pushers. They always have the best flowers, don't you think? So that's kind of the whole. They're basically like, oh, remember this place? Isn't this a great yeah. place? Buttering but boy, it sure will be sad when we don't have this place anymore. Mm-hmm. And... Like they, Jessica entices her dad to come out to this big canyon by saying the car is broken down, but the car, of course, is not broken. And when he shows up, it starts up with no problem. And she's like, I don't know what happened. And he's, she's, they're just trying to inspire this sense of, uh, you know, how their fondness. Apparently, the Wakefields grew up in Sweet Valley and have never yeah. lived anywhere else. Yeah, absolutely. So trying to uh, keep them there and inspire them to love all these things because they're apparently workaholics. Yeah, I guess so. And yeah, it's actually interesting. Ned Wakefield really yells at Jessica uh, for being angry that they might move. And I think it's the first time we've ever really seen him be this mean to to his daughters. But he has, like, no patience. He's like, your mom has worked really hard for this. You yeah. need to be grateful or you need to congratulate her and be happy for her. But it is, like, their junior year of high school. And I couldn't help but think, like, couldn't Alice say, like, hey, if there's an opening for me in a year and a half, like, all of my kids will be out of the house. Right, and it would not right. uproot anybody to move. There's a weird... So it was like, what, they're like in, in a month or something? Yeah. There's a weird uh, line that Ned Whitfield has where he suggests that somehow it would be like more affordable for them to live in San Francisco. Did you notice that? It was really a mindfuck. Well, I because- mean, if Sweet Valley is such a coveted tourist destination, I would always assume <laughs> right. 80s San Francisco is a very different place than the 80s would be. It could be cheaper than uh, Sweet Valley. Yeah. I mean... You hear them talking about how amazing the school is, at least once in this book. Yeah. Oh, oh, mom. And that's exactly the buttering up thing. Uh, Oh, hey, mom and dad. How could you ever want to leave Sweet Valley? It's the best schools. They even have a playwright. Yeah. Did you know that this is the only school in the state that's doing this play competition? Oh, we're so lucky to go to Sweet Valley High. (laughs) They think they're pulling one over on their parents by doing this like very sly, sneaky thing. And like, even though we're nowhere near the end of the book and the eighth story, like, might as well spoil this plot now. Guess Mm -hmm. what? Uh, the Wakefields don't leave Sweet Valley. <laughs> the Wakefield twins, the star of the Sweet Valley High series, they stay in Sweet Valley. They don't move to San Francisco at all. Oh, Are I you guess. surprised? 
Did I spoil not, the series not, for I'm you? I'm not surprised, but um, I feel re- really they could have reinvented themselves <laughs> in San Francisco. Yeah. Well, I realize now that I've asked you that, you did read the book, so you knew what happened in this plot. <laughs> Do indeed. Do indeed. Okay, so let's get back into Caroline. Mm-hmm. Um, Caroline. Basically, chapter after chapter of this book is Caroline getting increasingly stressed out about the fact that she has to keep on creating these letters. And the popular girls, especially Lila for some reason, are really um, pushing her to invite Adam to come to... Sweet Valley. Right. Which I, I think is interesting, too, in the beginning, because you have all these girls who really don't like Caroline, but they're very interested in this guy, which is which is like, I don't know, it's interesting, right? Like, why are they so interested in this person they dislike's love affair or man she met out of town? Yeah. Well, that was part of why I was wondering about your first impression of her because you didn't have the benefit of the previous books where we know that Caroline is kind of an, like mm-hmm. the books lay it on pretty thick that nobody really likes Caroline and for good reason, even Elizabeth. But this book starts from her perspective. So we kind of feel for her, right? Right. Yeah. You, I mean, yeah, her strange thought process of, yeah. uh, you know, popularity, which, you know, made me wonder as, as a male, is this what it's like to grow up as a young woman? <laughs> I mean, sometimes, this, I think. I mean, tell me now, because I'm very curious. I even wrote it here in my notes. Is this what it's like to be a young woman? See, there it is. Aw. <laughs> well, that makes me feel like this podcast is doing some important work. Because I think on some level, yeah. it kind of is. Like, it's easy for me, as a woman in my 30s now, to look back on Caroline, like, thinking, if only I had a boyfriend, I would be popular. And being like, oh, sweetie, like, yeah. no, no, this is a terrible example for young girls. <laughs> but the thing is, like, yeah. when you are in high school, and you're kind of lonely, as Caroline is in this book, it's easy to think, like, basically anything that I can do to, you know, get myself some kind of positive attention, or seem like I'm important, or like I matter, like, yeah, that can be that can be a pretty big deal. And like, social status can be a pretty big deal. Um so on some level, I think it is. Hopefully, yeah. you know, I think the social awkwardness probably a lot of uh, listeners like write in if you have a memory of this book. But like, I think a lot of young women, I can imagine relating to Caroline because she feels so lonely. And she yeah. she doesn't just want the approval of her peers. She wants the approval of her sister. So yeah. there is something that she does early on relating to Adam that she does for the benefit of her sister, which is that she she hasn't told her sister about Adam yet, and she wants to really do it in a way for maximum impact. So right. she stages this phone call. The phone call, yeah. Where, like, she sees her sister's coming home, and she, like, times it so that she's, like, secretly on the phone with him, and she tells him that she loves him, and, like, oh, thank you so much for your letter, and it works like a charm. <clears throat> right, she lays it on thick. Is that what I call it? Yeah. Um, I have a quote in Chapter 5 here. Nice. Under ordinary circumstances, Anita would have gone right through the living room into the kitchen without even noticing her sister. But when she heard Caroline talking to a boy, she slowed down and actually gave her sister a smile. She went into the kitchen, but Caroline could tell she was still listening. It was exactly what Caroline had hoped for. Now that it was actually happening, she was ecstatic. It was definitely worth it. All the lying, the deception. She didn't care that Adam didn't even exist. The only thing that mattered was that Anita was paying attention to her. And she'd even given her little sister an encouraging smile. 
Right, I forgot about the smile. Yeah, she walks by and smiles at her. This is the part that is sad, and like I hope is not a normal part of a young girl's experience. <laughs> Although it may have been yeah. even more more often in the 80s, is that Anita, it's kind of like until Caroline has this fictitious validation from a boy, Anita is like unwilling to like help her sister out. She after this, she Anita starts to take an interest in Caroline by like you know, helping her style her hair and like pick out an outfit and is a little bit like Caroline has to tell herself like, but this is all because of Adam. Adam doesn't even really exist. And then she's got to like shake that thought off and be like, it doesn't matter. Like her attention is worth whatever it takes. It's so sad. Yeah. It's pitiful. It is. I mean, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I mean, all that attention she wants from her sister, which is a little confusing. I I mean, obviously she wants some sort of acceptance or, I'm kind of wondering where the family is for this whole thing. Like, very cold relationship with her mom and her sister, yeah. apparently, in this book. I don't know if she has she a dad She seems like she not. wants a sister. Yeah, I'm not sure. Her mom, like, like never appears. Yeah. I think her, her mom is in one scene. Yeah. She comes in and says hi. And she does do what I have to say or, is, can be a kind of a typical mom thing to do, mm. which is just like... Oh, like, have you been talking to any nice boys lately? Oh, have you been hanging out with any, mm. any nice, of, any of those nice girls lately? Like, she's like, right. kind of it, trying to encourage your daughter to like go out there and like have a nice life, but like the way that you're doing it is like poking at all of her wounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a pretty yeah. typical mom daughter dynamic. I definitely see it. And uh, I think there's absolutely that moment too with, uh, even her sister Anita saying, Oh, how come mom doesn't even know about Todd? You didn't tell mom about Todd? Or about, about Adam. Or Adam, yeah. excuse me. And that that's an interesting moment. Of, yeah. Hey, look, like apparently the mom is around, but not really. Yeah. And I'm, Carolyn, I don't think ever does Anita tell her, her mom. get along, maybe? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe Anita gets along with mom and Caroline is just, no wonder yeah. Caroline's so lonely. Mom yeah. and Anita are always out there, like mommy-daughter brunches yeah. or something. Hugging and <laughs> like, loving each other. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, uh, their mom, Mrs. Pierce, is like, oh, yes, I, I here's my, my, my only daughter, Anita. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I mean, my elder <laughs> daughter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other one's not old enough to have developed a personality yet. So, oh. <laughs> yes. We have high hopes for her. Really maybe hopes. college will yeah. be good for her. So... A really important, hilariously, uh, a really important driver for this story comes in the form of, uh, the, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the poets, Robert and Elizabeth Barrett Browning. <laughs> and this is yeah. where I'm actually sort of proud of the book for tying these storylines together at all. <laughs> because you've got Elizabeth's play. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember what it was called? No, you find I out at the end of the book that it was called... Uh, one woman's romance. Oh yes, which yes, I yes. thought I thought that was kind of uh, I don't know an evocative title. Yeah. It also shows how there is this like thematic. Yeah, it was, uh, not, it was on the nose for sure. It was a little yeah. like a little writer's hand of a one woman. Yeah, yeah, because Caroline, of course, that is literally one woman's romance, and nobody else's. When I think Caroline. if we were to hear Elizabeth's play, it would be an expression of that because obviously it's about. The love letters. So it is one woman's romance all the way around. So yeah. So historically, you're totally correct. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, like, it's really more artful than these books tend to be, even if it is, like you said, like a, thematically a bit on the, no- on the nose. So Elizabeth Barrett Browning and Robert Browning are, you know, real historical poets mm-hmm. that were, uh, 
you know, both famous poets in their own right and have this great history of, uh, you know, writing these beautiful letters to each other right. and also po- love letters that they or love poems that they wrote to each other that uh, were later published um, under these like weird, like secret titles, like Elizabeth hmm. Barrett Browning's um, one book of poems to Robert Browning was published as uh, Sonnets from the Portuguese. Hmm. Which, yeah. <laughs> which is true. That's like, that's a true story uh, yeah. of a real book of poems. Uh, but um, it's important because, as we've said before, Caroline's letters from Adam have this real flowery, you know, poetry in them. Absolutely. And do we, do you know, are these actual direct quotes? or is I think it... they are. I think okay. they are. I was curious if, you know, the author had directly quoted or they were like oh this sounds you know so similar so we learned that what caroline has done is she has checked out these books of poetry from the library and she's not directly quoted them she's just like taken pieces of them out of context and woven them together in these other sentences which purposefully trying to cover her tracks there's a scene where she goes to the library and the librarian is like, oh, you're the one that's been checking out all the Browning. Like, Well, I think it's, yeah, she goes to the library and, oh, hey, you've, you've been checking out all this, but you're not the only one. Yeah. And so Caroline doesn't really know part what's of our, going on. Important part of our A plot. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> it makes her nervous. And meanwhile, we've got Elizabeth writing this play. And part of the process is that she has to read it out loud and she wants to read it to her family. Right. Uh, and so at school, we've got Caroline reading her letters or having them read by the popular girls, by Lila, Kara, and Jessica. Then at home, Jessica is hearing Elizabeth read her own play out loud. And there is some passage from one of the letters that uh, Jessica recognizes. And she's like, Elizabeth, wait, read that again. And Elizabeth's like, wait, you're, are you actually paying attention to my play? <laughs> Right, she doesn't paint her. She doesn't paint Jessica as necessarily that nice of a person. No, or, no. Or maybe Jessica's just maybe that's not fair. And Jessica is just not into the arts. She totally has reasons to not like. Oh, I would Caroline. Say... I feel like you know Caroline hasn't done anything very nice for anyone. No, and Jessica mm. is uh, definitely pretty angry at Caroline for being the person to like bring up this whole San Francisco mm-hmm. thing, even though. Caroline was was right. Lynch. I mean, it, uh, Jessica could more charitably think like, "Oh well, if it hadn't been for Caroline, I would never have had the opportunity to like wage this counterattack yeah. on my parents to try to get them to not move." But that's not what Jessica thinks. So Jessica is immediately like, "This bitch! Like, I am gonna get her. Like, I know what's happening." She does not make the assumption that some other people make, which is, "Oh, Adam's not really a poet." He's copying from Browning. Right. She instead jumps straight to Adam's not real. I was suspicious all along. Now I know. Well, I think, you know, it ties back to why would anybody like care of, you know, it ties back to the beach scene. Yeah. How how could anybody be into Caroline? Yeah. How could anybody who has met her like her? Um, And I think there's a couple other quips about it. Uh, you know, a little, a little less harsh 
Yeah. <laughs> Later in, on, you know. In chapter seven, after uh, Jessica comes to school and she's like, oh my God, you guys, you'll never believe what I found out. Like, it's Browning. Like, Adam, there's no Adam. But right. um, what Jessica's friends say is uh, Lila says, I still don't see what you're getting so worked up about. So Adam's not a poet. He's a plagiarizer. I bet Caroline doesn't even know. And Jessica says... Or maybe she knows all too well. I've always thought there was something strange about this Adam guy. I mean, how realistic is it for some fabulous romantic guy to fall head over heels in love with Caroline Pierce? When you come right down to it, it's practically science fiction. <laughs> oh, right. Um, that's definitely when I should have written down the science fiction line. <laughs> did crack me up. I was like, wow. Like, it's like a good burn, but yeah, also like so I mean. I feel like it's a little... Yeah, it's It's... But I, I feel like it's it's too good of a burn for the character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Science fiction. And I mean, Caroline, I guess we should say the way that Caroline has described Adam, he does sound like really sexy. <laughs> he's like, he's six foot yeah. two, which is very <laughs> tall for a high school boy to be. He's got this like, you know, beautiful brown hair and this chocolate brown eyes. Yes. He plays on the baseball team and he. You know, he lives in Cold Springs. Then she, right. she makes up another facet of it to tell her sister, which is that they met on a debate trip. So I guess Caroline's on the debate team. So. Uh, allegedly. <laughs> I don't really see it. But I will say, I, I did write down, um, speaking of how how handsome he was, this line, which I liked a lot, 6'2", dark brown hair, and laughing eyes. Ooh, that's mm. a new one. Like, laughing eyes. He sounds lovely. She also describes his eyes at some point as being, like, pools of melted chocolate. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, sexy she's man. A, she's, a, she's imaginative. We know that, I think, you know. Mm-hmm. So, one thing we can say. Now that this... Definitely, yeah. Definitely. Now that... Jessica feels like she has one up on Caroline. Rather than confronting Caroline, Jessica is, she's too clever for that. She's got to, uh, like catch her. She's like a trapped animal. You know, Caroline, I'm going to get her. I'm going to force her to basically be tortured. That's Jessica's MO. She is, um, a sociopath. It seems to be what the podcast is uncovering book after book. <laughs> I don't know. She doesn't come off as much of a sociopath in this book as she does in some others. Oh, really? <laughs> You're like, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I can kind of see it. I, I mean, from her sister, I think we see it a little bit from her sister's perspective and more so later in the book, I think. But like her sister definitely is concerned about the way Jessica treats other people when she gets like that. Yeah, it's basically know. like um, Elizabeth hated it when Jessica w- treated other people as her pawns in her plan, something like mm-hmm. that, that alludes to repeated a pattern of behavior by Jessica. So anyway, but Jessica's move here is that she has, along with Lila and Kara, they really force Caroline's hand. They say, we have got to meet this Adam guy. Right. And Caroline's been saying like, oh, well, he can't really afford to drive down. He's got baseball games. She's got a whole list of excuses. <laughs> and we, we feel a little, um, I don't, and having not read all the books, uh, we, we feel some classism at that moment. Yeah. Heavy classism when she's, he can't afford to come and ever, what, what does it say? Uh, a man who doesn't have money is not worth it or something like that. Yeah, suddenly it's like, oh God, sorry, I guess he's not that great. And Caroline has to be like, no, I don't mind at all. Like, I don't care if he has money. Right. And yeah. then, um, she says that he can't afford a bus ticket. Like, gas is expensive. And they're like, what about the bus? And she's like, well, there's a bus ticket. Lila fucking 
takes a bus pass out of her wallet and is like, here you go. And Kara's like, oh, I could never take anything from you, Lila. And she's like, oh, it's nothing to me, but it's everything to you. Don't you want to see Adam? Right. And (laughs) she's like, you know, in fact, actually, I keep on alluding to book 16, but it's interesting because that book was very much about sort of classism and how much power the wealthy wielded over the any, everybody oh, else in town. And that was a theme that we kind of teased out of the book. That wasn't really what the book was, quote unquote, about. But that's happening here, too. Lila is able to force Caroline's hand because it's not just that she's saying bring Adam down she's saying we are going to throw a party in Adam's honor in your honor and only somebody like really ridiculously wealthy could do that so casually right and I even think you know when they start pressing her at the cafe or whatever or the diner because she's uh, Caroline's there drinking a milkshake. Oh, they're at their Pi Beta Alpha right. meeting. Yeah, Casey's place. <laughs> yeah, they have a sorority. There's a high school sororities in Sweet Valley. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Um, but yeah, when they start pressing and before this bus ticket thing, it's uh, Jessica says, you've got to see him sometime. Unless maybe you have no intention of seeing him at all. Yeah. She's really kind of like... She's really, really pushing her. Coming very close to showing her hand, but like not really... Uh, and poor Caroline is in this mental space where it's like she really would love for Adam to be real. So all these reminders that Adam is made up and that she's going to have to give up Adam, her like fantasy, are really sad for her. But so she like kind of stops. She even stops writing herself these fake letters because I think she just sees that the jig is up and she's sort of like, well, I'll, I'll I, I'm, she tells them that she's going to go to Cold Springs, right? Right. And she has this t-shirt that her cousin gave her from like an ex-boyfriend that went to Cold Springs that she has never worn. And it's like a baseball jersey from right. the Cold Springs high school. Mm-hmm. And, but she's like, that's not enough to really sell it that I went to Cold Springs. So do you remember what she does? <clears throat> for, um, for her Cold Springs trip? Yeah. She gets a Cold Springs athletic club t-shirt. Right, that's the one that it was like her cousin's like ex-boyfriend or something. Yeah, something there. really random. And to really send it <laughs> home, she like breaks into the Oracle, like the high school newspaper office, and like finds a newspapers from like the local high schools, which she knows that they keep there. And she like roots around until she finds right. where they're kept, pulls out a recent Cold Springs High School paper and like finds a sports photo, not even of the right sport. It's basketball with like a blurry guy in the background and then tucks it into the next letter that she writes from Adam that she is like, she carries them around with her everywhere so she can always whip them out and read them and like lets the newspaper clipping like flutter to the desk so (laughs) that the girls will be like, Oh, what's that? And I I like this. And I remembered reading this because I thought it was funny. It was a long shot, but a few weeks earlier, she'd overheard Penny Ayala. How? Ayala? I say Ayala. Ayala, the editor of the school paper, complaining about all the space the old newspapers took up. Yeah, how convenient. From all the other schools. Yeah, Yeah. like, hey. Well, there's a lot of things that are convenient. The fact that they're both uh, Barrett Browning uh, focused things between Elizabeth and Caroline is pretty convenient. But, um,. We'll, we'll let it slide. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're obviously letting slide the, you know, um, the catalyst in the story, too, which is this mysterious dark Xerox pulled out of a garbage can by a dog, which I, I want to, like, bring back up, like, 
You know, yeah, nobody has a dog. What is a photocopy of this letter? Yeah. Like, why would you photocopy it? So all I could think is, is this a fax? So, but even a fax, why would it's you It's like have? Mrs. Wakefield photocopied the letter, then threw away the photocopy of the letter. <laughs> right. So maybe that's why they say it's a dark photocopy, because they're trying to cover their asses. Like, this photocopy was not good enough quality, so she threw it away and did another photocopy. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I really would... Yeah, was she trying to frame it? What was going on there? <laughs> I don't like she know. was so proud, but then she decided, oh, what if my daughter see this? I better throw away this, Who this knows? photo coming. I mean, I don't understand why it couldn't have been a letter, but I guess it's not as like dark and mysterious as I don't understand. I don't understand why that exists. <laughs> um, it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around a time when you would respond to a job offer like this by by writing a letter, but you know, it was the 80s. I mean, they did have time. a phone. <laughs> they did have phones back then. They did have also. phones, yeah. yeah. So around this point, uh, a complication arises for Caroline, which is that um, Jessica kind of forces Caroline and Elizabeth together and lets out the the secret that she knows that Adam's poems are at the very least plagiarized from Browning. And um, Jessica... You know, Jessica doesn't think Adam exists, but when Elizabeth hears this, she thinks like, oh, poor Caroline, she probably doesn't know that he copied right. the poems. But Caroline is like, oh, no, you know, I knew, but it's okay. But when Caroline finds out that Elizabeth's play is going to be read in front of the whole school, right? she has to confide in Elizabeth. She's just like, I have this terrible secret. I have to tell somebody. Well, in these books, Elizabeth is often the person that people tell their terrible secrets. Well, I think she even says because she knows Elizabeth is apparently honest enough that she won't. She's, you know, maybe the opposite of Caroline where she won't gossip. Yeah, right. And Which isn't true, actually. She does tell someone. She does. Uh, that's true. And they don't make any fuss about it at all. But we'll get to that. So yeah. Caroline... Um, tells Elizabeth uh, that she made up Adam, that Adam is fictional. And Elizabeth is shocked. Elizabeth, though, finds out that Jessica kind of knows all of this already. Um, right. So in chapter 12, Elizabeth finds out about Jessica's plan, which is basically to kind of entrap Caroline. And I highlighted this part, too. Elizabeth comes home from talking to Caroline about Adam being real or, but Adam not being real. <laughs> and um, she wants to talk to Jessica about Lila's party. Like, kind of what's really going on here? Lila's having this party in honor of Adam. Like, what's that all about? Like, right. maybe, she, maybe she's going to talk them out of having the party at all in a kind of a delicate way without letting out Caroline's secret. But here's where she finds out Jessica's real plan. Jessica says, I don't think he exists. He meaning Adam. I think Caroline made him up. And you still invited him to a party? Elizabeth cried. <laughs> Lila did the inviting, not me. Though I may have pushed a bit. It's the only way we're going to know for sure about Adam. Lila still believes he's real, but I'm more convinced than ever that he's not. It's going to be fun to see how Caroline gets out of this one. Jessica's voice was full of mischief. Jessica Wakefield, you're awful. If you're so sure Adam's a fake, why don't you come right out and say so to Caroline? That would spoil all the fun, Jessica said, giggling. Caroline has it coming to her anyway. I can't believe she tried to trick us. I'll admit it shows she got more imagination than I ever gave her credit for. But that's about all. And if I came right out and called her bluff, that would be the end of it. No, she deserves a lesson. One that has to be taught in public for everyone to see. 
Dun, dun, dun. Jessica's done it again, Elizabeth thought. As much as she loved her sister, she couldn't stand this malicious streak in her. Elizabeth hated to see anyone cornered like this, even someone as hard to like as Caroline. That was the line you were trying to remember. We were both trying to remember earlier. Yeah, absolutely. So now Elizabeth kind of feels for Caroline a little bit because she's caught in Jessica's clutches. And Elizabeth agrees to, like, not read the play in front of everybody because then it would be more embarrassing for Caroline because people would, like, know about the similarities. I think, yeah, Elizabeth... Elizabeth doesn't agree, but she's seriously considering it, right? So right. she half-heartedly agrees yeah. to uh, not perform this play because she doesn't want to embarrass Caroline. Yeah. And then at some point, Caroline comes out and tells Anita the truth about Adam as well. Mm. And they have this long heart-to-heart about how Caroline is a horrible gossip and she needs to stop. And and Caroline's finally ready to it, listen. It, yeah, and it sounds like it's a long conversation. It, it sort of just skips over to the end. Yeah. Like, or it sounds like Anita like berating yeah. her for hours, but I feel like yeah. she takes it pretty well. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I am a terrible gossip and maybe I should be human to you know people. i think i'm finally ready to change yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's ah. not a conversation it's a lecture <laughs> yeah. but it's a much needed lecture that caroline's finally ready to hear we get it glossed over but anita to her credit is still like really willing to help caroline put her best foot forward like she sees that her sister is ready to have a personality <laughs> and is gonna yes. like help push her in that direction and caroline i believe it's on the heels of this sort of newfound confidence that she tells elizabeth that you know what please do your reading i i wouldn't want to ask you not to do it and elizabeth's like really you sure so yeah. caroline's big heartedness um, pushes Elizabeth over the edge of thinking about doing something generous for um, Caroline, which is that she's going to get Todd to kind of help in a mysterious way that we don't hear about, but we'll find out how uh, with this whole Caroline situation. Todd can't believe, right, that Elizabeth likes Caroline now. Yeah. After this one moment of apparently Caroline yeah. being like doing one good thing. So I, Todd... Todd can't believe it, in fact. He says, something must have happened for you to say that. And she says, I think something has, Todd. I think this whole experience has made Caroline realize you can't win friends by deception. Ah, and there's the moral. (laughs) Caroline might not be the most likable person in the world, but that's because she's been going about everything the wrong way. Basically, she's like everyone else. She deserves some happiness, too. That's, like, from that same <laughs> yeah. conversation. Yeah, exactly. And then Aww, uh, so Elizabeth really convinces Todd to help her out when she says that she just can't let Jessica get away with something. Todd and Jessica have no love lost. So anytime Elizabeth is actually willing to uh, help Jessica get her comeuppance, Todd, like, has total boner for that. Yeah, right. And I... Yeah, Todd and Elizabeth both have a boner for it. And... <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, he asked her if you really want to get her out of this situation. And, you know, um, Elizabeth's sure. And she says, it would just kill Jessica. That's yeah. And said. you can see Todd's eyes light up. He's like <laughs> drooling, basically, at the idea of like he and Elizabeth taking Jessica down together. Right. So, <laughs> He's been waiting for this for 17 books. Right. And I, I, I think it's interesting, too, just this idea of... Like, she, yeah, I think Elizabeth's, like, the most rounded character, right? Where she's like, I love my sister, but she's 
kind of this crazy vindictive person and so yeah. I want to spoil her fun she's much she's more well rounded this you know Caroline it's, yeah sorry she's much more well rounded in this book than she has been most of the previous oh, really? books okay. in that respect because she's defended Jessica a lot uh, in past books um, like she just doesn't want to hear anything bad said about her sister even though she knows that what she's doing is bad but it almost seems for once like the consequences of previous books are kind of building up for Elizabeth and she's kind of sick of seeing Jessica get away with this cruel behavior so at any rate at this point in the story we're, we're almost through to the climax Caroline has agreed to kind of tell the mean girls about Adam being fake, but instead she kind of chickens out and just tells them that the poems are plagiarized. Right. Which just doesn't seem like much of a reveal at this point. Everybody knows yeah, that. Yeah, and, you know, but that's her, that's her game. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, pretending she, like they don't, she doesn't know that they know, which is yeah. very obvious, so I don't... And she's kind of trying to save face before Elizabeth's play is read in front of the whole school, which right. it then is, and that goes great. And then uh, Elizabeth is apparently just very talented and well-rounded. Yeah, She's yeah. One woman's all. romance is the <laughs> the talk of the town. Um, and then we have the party at Lila's house in Caroline and Adam's honor. Um, we find out, as a side note, uh, in the last book, we found out that the Patmans had an Olympic-sized swimming pool in their backyard, which seemed oh. fucking insane because that is a huge swimming pool that uh no one should have in their um, backyard and certainly it's not like a poolside party kind of a thing in this book we find right. out the fowlers have an olympic sized swimming pool too apparently to everyone does i think sweet valley high is uh it's just a lot of money there it's a very mm-hmm. out- important tourist destination very wealthy so you've very affluent yeah. like i feel like if you grew up there you're you know you can become president or whatever you Oh, your, social, sure. your social status is going to go far. I mean, had they moved to San Francisco, people I'm sure would have been, you're from Sweet Valley. Like, oh my God. Yeah. That is amazing. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, they, so they go to this party and next to the Fowler's poolside, next to the Fowler's Olympic side swimming pool, which again, picture that. It seems like the pool would dwarf the party. Um, and Caroline looks very beautiful. She's, her sister has helped her do her hair and pick out a beautiful dress. Right. And we should say the second makeover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Cause her sister originally gave her a haircut, right? Yeah. And, and like picked out a scoop neck t-shirt. Yes, for yeah. Hair. Which apparently is very, it's high fashion. I mean, well, it was weird. It was like Caroline only wore buttoned up shirts buttoned all the way up to her neck. And yeah. she felt very weird. Which I think uh, relates to the cover. Going back to the cover of the yeah. book, we see, and I don't know if we said this. They are, but they're both wearing buttoned up scoop neck. They are or wearing, like, not scoop neck, not scoop like neck, Oxford buttoned shirts. Buttoned up Oxford style shirts, yeah. Like yellow Oxford shirts buttoned up all <laughs> yeah. the way. <laughs> they're wearing like the same shirt. So, yeah, which Elizabeth made me think is like, is there a school uniform? And so she was rebelling by wearing this <laughs> yeah. scoop neck shirt. Elizabeth and Caroline in the cover are both wearing this shirt, it seems. Uh, we can't really see the color of Elizabeth's shirt, so I guess it could just be like a sweater. That's more Elizabeth style, but. Um, I don't know. Look at the cuffs. They look very similar. Yeah, that's true. How weird. Maybe it's a long sleeve t-shirt. I don't know. <laughs> but at any rate, yeah, so Caroline's had a bit of a style change and, and she looks pretty apparently now. And she's like steeled herself to go in alone. 
And she goes into the party by herself and she, um, you know, basically is prepared. Like she has a newfound confidence and she's like, you know what? I'm going to make an announcement to everybody. I'm going to tell them that my boyfriend that everybody knows about, that they're all here to celebrate, Adam, is completely fictional. And this is the, like, rom-com, like, climax of this book. This really, (laughs) really very delightful, sort of silly, frothy book. Uh, And I was hoping, Jeremy, that you would agree to... Uh, perform this scene with me if you could perform the sure. role of of the gentleman in this scene the, gen- the gentleman caller yes okay. we're gonna reveal the surprise to our listeners <laughs> the way that it was revealed to us as we read the book are you ready yeah <laughs> <laughs> was that the listeners yeah that was one listener yeah <laughs> thanks a lot I mean, I'm sure there was other. That was, the, <laughs> that was the one I heard. Very okay, okay. But are you Jeremy Shattuck? Right? Are am, you ready? I, Jeremy Shattuck, am ready. Okay. I think. <laughs> Still holding her head up, the petrified girl stood alone before her classmates. Their eyes stared back at her in anticipation, and at that moment, Caroline knew the meaning of the word fear. Those eyes were demanding, accusing, and getting increasingly impatient with each passing second. She had to get this over with, if for no other reason than to get those eyes off her. Thanks for coming tonight, she began. I know you all came here to meet the boy I've been telling you so much about, but he... Caroline! A boy's voice cut through the words and she was struck mute as a tall, friendly-looking boy rushed up and gave her a big hug. Sorry I'm late. I hope you'll forgive me. Caroline felt like shouting, Who are you? But the boy quieted the impulse with a kiss. Tell them who I am. He whispered while their lips were still pressed together. Yeah, that's... Wait, excuse me. (laughs) Tell tell them who I am. (laughs) She regained her composure quickly. Without even thinking about it, she announced... As I was saying, everybody, here's Adam. That's him? Jessica's jaw dropped. Of course, dummy, Lila said smugly. He looks just like his picture, don't you think? Which is, uh, I think, going the, back, it's important to mention that it was a blurry The blurry <laughs> picture from the basketball yeah. game. The boy did fit the description Caroline had painted. Six feet two, dark hair, with a strong muscular build. His features weren't quite up to pinup quality, but Caroline could be forgiven for that exaggeration. By anyone's standards, he was a winner. I just don't believe it, Jessica said, slumping into the nearest chair. She must have pulled him out of a hat. Come on, Jess, face it. When you're wrong, you're wrong, Lila smiled. I knew all along he'd show up. She watched as he took Caroline's arm and walked her toward the pool. Caroline is some lucky girl. (laughs) Once she was sure they were out of earshot, Caroline stopped and looked up at her savior. Who are you? She asked. Adam. He said. Please don't choke with me. I'm serious. He smiled. Uh, I was told that's who I was supposed to be. Actually, my name's Jerry Fisher. I'm a friend of Todd Wilkins. So I could go on because the scene goes on from there and it's beautiful. Todd asked his friend Jerry to come pretend to be Adam and um, it's all just amazing. And Caroline comes uh, clean actually later on. She decides, you know what? 
Jerry, you're great, but you're not Adam. And they're going to be expecting me to have Adam and I can't continue this ruse. And so she gets up and tells everybody this guy's not Adam. Adam's made up. When I feel like this is the first real moment, I, I, I don't know, after this journey of Caroline, that she also feels bad that she's making him play someone he's not. Yeah, and sh- and she really likes Jerry, and Jerry is like I mean, a not dreamboat. To, what's not to love about Jerry? I mean, he showed up. He's. They, I mean, they've already described him six as two dark hair with a strong yeah. muscular build. I think you know by anyone's standard, he was a winner. I don't know, but I feel like maybe that's for Caroline. Anything <laughs> for Caroline? Yeah, a yeah. guy showed up. Uh, <laughs> he's obviously it's he's a yeah. winner. I was yeah. tripping over my tongue a little bit, but what I was trying to say was that. The book has already described him as her savior. Like, she was looking up at her savior. Right. And then he, like, dances her over to Liz and Todd. Later on, Lila tries to dance with him, and he tells Lila that he's a one-woman guy. This (laughs) is all still as Adam. And Caroline, maybe feeling more comfortable being herself, like, is kind of this new personality girl with Jerry. And that's when she's just like, I, yeah, I, I... He's his own cool guy. I like that guy. Like, I can't keep up this ruse. And after she comes back to Jerry, he's like, after she's confessed to everybody that he's not Adam, she like runs off. But does like Jerry come find her? And he's like, I'm really proud of you, Caroline. Right. And he holds her teary face, I believe. (laughs) Yeah. It's very romantic. This is, this is, yeah, this is the buildup of all of her romance poems. Is here, here you have her, I think, blurry. What did she say? I couldn't see because of my, because I was crying, running into the darkness. And here comes Jerry, the hero. Well, I mean, it's all very romantic. It's a little bit too good to be true, but, you know, know, what could, in a, in a, in a way, this is better than if Adam had really come to life because Jerry is real and he saved her day in a way that no Adam ever could. It's true. He's the dream man. Speaking of which, I guess I should say that he's the dream boy because this is the part of the podcast where we talk about boys. I just wanted to add really quick. Um, he doesn't write poetry though. So I think it's not going to last. He says specifically that he doesn't, he doesn't like, poetry. like poetry. He does say that. So I but, think they're doomed. Yeah, but beyond the poetry thing, a dream man. Or should dream, I say dream boy? Dream dream boy. Wait. A dream boy. Oh my goodness, Jeremy. A beautiful boy a beautiful boy. Everything ends up great for Caroline. We've heard about Todd. Any other boys in this book that uh, caught your fancy? Oh, yeah. We got Todd, Bruce, Jerry. Oh, let's talk about Bruce. Yeah. We haven't talked about Bruce yeah, at all. Yeah, very curious. Um, Bruce, this whole... Yeah, there is a side plot, which is, you know, building through this book of Bruce. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about him. Who is apparently, um, you know, from what I gleaned from the book, a... A player. Yeah, and he's got his eyes on a new prize. Oh, yeah. He definitely does. What's her name? Uh, her name is Regina Morrow. Oh, and yes. she Regina. was recently on the cover of Ingenue magazine. Very important. If you're Canadian, it's Regina. So, <laughs> well, saying she might be Canadian, so... Regina was recently on the cover of Ingenue magazine, which is, I think, what caught Bruce's attention. Because he comes up to Regina at one point and is like, I read 
all about you in this article. And it was, it really caught my attention. And he says the funniest thing to her. Hey, Bruce said suddenly, leaning back in his chair. That article said you like fast cars. Have you ever driven in a Porsche? <laughs> all right. Yes. Regina smiled. I'm sorry. It's Bruce Patman would say Porsche, I think. So we're going to go ahead and say <laughs> it like that. Have you ever driven in a Porsche? Regina smiled. Bruce looked so nervous, she felt flattered. No, I haven't, she told him. Why do you ask? Regina was enjoying Bruce's embarrassment too much to let him off lightly. Well, I have one, he told her, clearing his throat again. I uh, don't suppose you'd like to go for a ride in it sometime. As a passenger or a driver, Regina teased him. Bruce blushed. Whichever you prefer, he said awkwardly. Bruce had never met a girl who was so obviously unflustered by his advances, and he didn't know quite what to say. Besides people's impressions of Bruce in this book, I Bruce talking about his Porsche, I think, is a funny scene because he doesn't seem like this uh, sleazy play- player that is kind of, you know, obviously what people think. Or he's, I mean, it's definitely alluded to he's probably slept with a lot of people at the school, you know. <laughs> yeah, that would never softer. be stated outright. Yeah, not outright, but it's it's in the subtext, absolutely, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that he is maybe slept with all these uh, sorority sisters He also famously hangs out with a lot of college girls. Oh, see, you know. But I also find that fascinating for someone who's, unless it's all a ploy, he seems pretty awkward to be this big player that yeah. people say he is. But they also say in this book uh, that there's not very many men, so... Right yeah, on that's the beach. bullshit, though, because there's so many boys in this book alone. So, like, yeah, these no, bitches are no sitting man. on the beach complaining about how there are not, not enough boys. But uh, uh, among the boys that they've rejected in this book, Dennis Creighton makes an appearance. Listeners might remember him from... There's a book where Jessica is an intern at her dad's office, and she starts up a fling with this boy who works there, Dennis Creighton, and then she finds Ooh. out he's 15. Uh, and Ooh. she drops him. I mean, is she's, that when she's a junior? She's 16 in all of these books. Forever, oh, okay. So she's only a year older than him. But oh, she would never dream of dating <sighs> a, a younger man. So she's grossed out when she sees Dennis Creighton again, even though he's for some reason happy to see her. This is when she visits her dad at her office. Um, ah, okay. Uh, another fellow that is mentioned in this book hilariously is a guy named John Pfeiffer. Uh, John Pfeiffer... Uh, is brought up in the same scene when the girls are complaining about how there are no boys in town. Um, And that scene goes a little bit like this. Lila turned over on her back. John Pfeiffer's not so bad. Sure, if you're a football, Kara grumbled. (laughs) Sorry, it just makes me laugh. I, I forgot. <laughs> no, that was a good quip. I forgot about that. He's so into being Mr. Ace Sports Editor, he probably doesn't have time for girls. I don't know, Jessica said. Liz spends as much time on the Oracle as John does, and take my word for it, she has plenty of time for Todd. But John's strictly a sidelines guy, Kara continued. He likes to watch the action, not get involved. Ooh. Which I thought was a delicious bit of double entendre. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a little. You definitely there's some subtext. Yeah, there, yeah. They're coming sense. coming up with new creative ways right. to not say the word sex. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, right before that, actually, Ricky Capaldo, who we haven't heard about since like book ten, really gets mentioned. Ricky Capaldo, who is um, the the boy. 
who is also the actor. Bill Chase. We, yes. we totally forgot to, about him because yeah. he, he does have, uh, well, I'm sure it'll come up later, but, you know, very minor role in apparently dropping out of the play competition. Yeah. So Bill Chase is like this big actor and he's, um, oh, he's, he's got his like, going places. He's going places. Yeah. He's got like an audition. Right. Uh, and uh, Caroline sees him talking to Mr. Jaworski, who's like in charge of the play competition. Once again, listeners, no Mr. Collins in this book. Who's that? Is Mr. Collins? See, poor Jeremy doesn't even know who Mr. I Collins is. He's I a sexy English teacher. He's been uh, missing. Missing in action. I don't know where he is. But this is, they mentioned the other English teacher. Mr. Then. Jaworski is here now. And yeah. he, uh, so Caroline sees Bill talking to Mr. Jaworski. And she thinks that maybe he's getting... Like illegal advice, like illegal in the yeah. competition advice about the play. Coached, coached on his play. She Boy. confronts Bill Chase about it or like asks him and he's like, she says something so awkward like, oh, is that what you were talking to Mr. Jaworski about in the hall earlier? And Bill's like, hey, why are you spying <laughs> that on was me? like one of the, one of those, the four scenes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are you asking me these questions about, yeah. Obviously, they're not even, whether they're acquaintances. Well, it gives you a glimpse but, into how awkward Caroline is as a person. That she she has nothing to talk about. Even in this scene, she's not trying to start shit. She just is like, oh, there's Bill Chase. I saw him talking to person A. I saw him doing thing B. And I'm going to report those things to him as if he has any idea that I was aware of them. Like, we've never talked about them before. It's It's very weird. And I can relate to this a little bit because sometimes I will remember things that somebody told me and like repeat them back. Like, oh, I remember that you, you know, grew up in Boise and they'll be like, why do you remember that? And like really weirded <laughs> out. Like I'm somehow like paying too you're close attention. You're creating gossip. I mean, yeah. obviously. And this is way worse than that to like, they weren't even together in this situation. She was just observing from afar that he was talking to Mr. Jaworski and he's defensive because it turns out that he was actually getting some plays from Mr. Jaworski to like practice different audition pieces for yeah. some TV or movie audition. Um, so there's Mr. Jaworski. Jaworski. Um, I, you know, I think I've heard this story a lot of times before and he has this big audition and he's going to go to Los Angeles to, you know, be in a TV show. Like he's made it. He's got this role apparently that could lead to a television series. I've just heard this story so many times, and it's obvious he's going into porn. I mean, that's what's going to happen. Oh. Is this poor kid, another Sweet Valley victim. So when you say lost we're Lost the big city. When you say we're going to hear more about this later, you're thinking like book 20, 21 is like Bill Chase's big <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure it'll sexy be, choice. Yeah, it'll, it'll be vague. He'll be like, yeah, I'm in this uh, these films. They're, <laughs> they're really great. Oh, but we haven't seen those. Like, oh, they're art films. Yeah. You wouldn't know. They only show at right. special I art mean, theaters. Is this going to be a separate book of will he make it successfully in Hollywood or be defeated? And Maybe. We'll have to wait and know. see. A beautiful boy is a beautiful boy is a beautiful boy. So, Jeremy, at this important juncture, I must ask you the question I ask every guest, which is, are you... A Jessica or an Elizabeth? Um, you know, it, it, it depends in what way. Like, do I, who do I want to hang out with? Or do, do I want to see survive this? <laughs> <laughs> survive Sweet Valley? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, I, th- I think 
probably you know more fun to hang out with would be would be Jessica. She seems like she's mm-hmm. a little bit a little bit kooky, crazy, live wire. Mm-hmm. You know, Elizabeth seems very well rounded. You know, I'm sure her and her her boyfriend uh, Todd are going to have five kids after she graduates high school. <laughs> I mean, which, of course, never happens in the books, I'm sure. <laughs> no, they never get out of junior year. <laughs> you know, but... Not in these, this series, You least. know, I see them staying in Sweet Valley for at least three more generations. <laughs> like and, the Winfield parents. You yeah. know, she, she probably becomes, you know, the new English professor, I feel mm, like. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. The new Mr. Collins. I but like I'm that. not sure what Todd does, because I know enough about him. He can be the... Except that he doesn't like uh, Jessica very much. <laughs> <laughs> he can be the basketball coach. There you go. He does. He is very sporty, yeah. right? Or maybe like a used car salesman. Yeah. yeah At the Dotson lot. The car, uh, Todd's Dotson does not appear in this book, but he does drive a Dotson that gets a... Uh, I think Todd might be one of the people that doesn't have a lot of oh, money, I was gonna actually. Oh, yeah, Dotson, because all these other people are driving Porsches and God knows what. Yeah, Ferraris. I think that goes, you know, why she wasn't that impressed by his Porsches. Because, yeah, a Porsche? Everyone has yeah. a Porsche. Well, the Marls are also Mercedes. super rich. So they actually... <laughs> yeah. I, I have a really hard time believing that Virginia has never been in a Porsche. But um, Well, maybe she's only been in nicer cars. <laughs> yeah. You know? Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, in fact, for letting me join you here at this... Uh, in this lovely room. Yeah. And, um. Welcome, welcome to Venice, California, where I'm a guest. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're both guests. But, um, I want to say, listeners, thank you for listening. Thanks to Jocelyn Schofield for the use of the song Beautiful Boys. Please, uh, find Sweet Valley Diaries on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Leave me a nice, you know, nice five star review. Um, I have gotten a couple of new reviews in the past month or so, and they're so great. It really is very, like, touching and motivating, just to be totally honest, to read, like, nice words. And um, I don't have a ton of ratings yet, so every everyone helps, uh, whether or not you take the time to write a review. Uh, and, you know, like, tell a friend and send me a letter. Uh, I love getting letters about, like, your own Sweet Valley stories or, like, whatever it is that you want to tell me. Uh, and I can maybe read it on a future podcast episode. Best if it's written on a typewriter, I think, thematically. Oh, yeah. Mail me a typewritten letter. <laughs> um, or just, like, typewrite a letter, scan it, and email it to sweetvalleydiaries at me.com. And, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Thanks a lot, Jeremy. You're very welcome. It was fun. All right. Let me just, I'll grab like the beer. Does that make sense? Yeah. That way we don't have to like shuffle. Yeah, I can just bring them all. You can bring them all. Yeah. Thanks, Jeremy.